Welcome back to another episode of Stacking Denny's. I'm Jordan McAbee of Rotoballer, my co-host Nick Giffen of the Action Network. Pocono is in the books. Denny Hamlin gets his seventh career win at the track officially, second year in a row that he's crossed the finish line first. This one counts, though. It, it stayed after inspection. Tyler Reddick comes up second. Martin Truex Jr. third. All Toyotas. We got five Toyotas in the top six. Uh, Harvick came away with a top four finish in fourth. Ty Gibbs gets a career-best fifth-place finish, and Christopher Bell winds up sixth. But that's not exactly what we're all talking about now. This was one of the most controversial races we've had in a while, and honestly, we've had a lot of controversial and controversy this season in NASCAR. This involving Denny Hamlin and Kyle Larson once again, just like back in Kansas, a very similar scenario. Denny Hamlin ends up in victory lane. We're going to get to that in a little bit, but first – we're going to talk about what happened at Pocono outside of the controversy and outside of the finish. Uh, 81.1% of people responding to Jeff Gluck's poll said that was a good race. I 100% agree. Uh, I know some people think Pocono races are boring. They don't like the the strategy behind it. They don't like all the different fuel strategies, all the different tire strategies and everything else. That was a great race. I don't care what you say. There is a reason that, that we actually saw an increase in viewership and uh, from last year at Pocono, not to mention this was the highest rated uh, or highest viewed NASCAR race on cable this year. This was a great race through and through. There was drama, there was great racing, and then there was an awesome finish. You can't ask for much more when it comes to a race, especially at a race track like Pocono, like that has a history of sometimes getting boring races. The fact of the matter is Denny Hamlin's a victory lane. He grabs his second win of the year. Uh, Daniel Suarez wrecks out, has an awful points day when he's on the bubble. Joey Logano has issues after being dominant early, wins the first stage, but then wrecks. Um, all four tires are flat. He can't move. He has to get towed back. Tow truck completely destroys the truck. We had Austin Dillon. Uh, get into it or come down on Tyler Reddick and then think it was for some reason Tyler Reddick's fault, throws his helmet at Tyler Reddick, all pissed off. We had Justin Haley announced last week that he's going to Rick Ware Racing out of nowhere. This entire last week, oh, we had we had drama between Ryan Priest and Corey LaJoy. This was a crazy race. Denny Hamlin wins. Nick, what do you think? Dude. That was, uh, you know, I love Pocono. And then when mm-hmm. we get that kind of a Pocono, uh, it was so awesome. I loved it. Um, there was a hell of a lot going on in that race. Uh, you mentioned it all. And, and, you know, you said a great finish. I guess we could contend, and we'll talk about it, but uh, contend at least right. in the last, you know, lap and a third, whether it was a great finish or not. But uh, by and large, you know, the last several laps were awesome. There was drama about if guys were going to run out of fuel or not. Uh, if we got mm-hmm. an extra green-white checkers, which always happens at Pocono. People always try to pit as soon as possible uh, on that last stint because if the caution comes out, they stay on the lead lap, and then others who didn't pit pit under yellow and have to go to the rear of the field. So there's always that factor. Uh, so fuel mileage is almost always going to be a factor at Pocono uh, just because of that. And then you add in all the crazy stuff that happens. Really good race. Um you know, I, I, I think uh, there, there were restarts there at the end that were we could talk about. There was drama on pit road at the end that we could talk about. I know we will, mm-hmm. but I'm just really excited that people finally got to see a great Pocono race. And you mentioned the increased viewership. IndyCar also had increased viewership. Uh, they had 
one of their highest ratings. They had like a massive, I think it was like a, something like a 30% jump over last year uh, for the doubleheader at Iowa. So for whatever reason, Motorsports was in the limelight this weekend, and both series, NASCAR, IndyCar, performed. You mentioned Denny Hamlin's seventh win at Pocono for the 11 car. Kyle Kirk would finish 7-11. and 11. So I'm, <laughs> I'm hitting up 7-11 a whole bunch this week with uh, my, two of my favorite drivers, you know, doing the, the old 7-11. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, like you said, Denny Hamlin's one of your favorite drivers. And seventh win at Pocono, which is absolutely ridiculous, you know, his history at this track. He went into the race as the favorite from sports books. You know, he didn't dominate by any means, but he, he ended up in victory lane. Um, got a lot of boos after the race. A lot of, lot of middle fingers, a lot of boos. Uh, like I said, we're going to get to that. Some of that probably was for NASCAR. Some of that probably was for NASCAR as well. That's, um, yeah, that's true. I know a lot of it was for Denny, but I'm sure a lot of it was for NASCAR as well. Yeah. Uh, like I said, though, like guys like Christopher Bell, you know, spun mid-race, ended up rebounding for a top – you know, six finish, ended up six. Ty Gibbs, you know, he, he made his Cup Series debut start at Pocono last year, ended up top five. He had a great race. He actually had one of the top, I think he was like fourth in, in driver rating. He had, a, he had a great race going. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Harvick, you know, I thought he was going to get screwed there with that with that penalty, uh, or not that penalty, but with that, that caution flag again. You know, him, him, Larson, and was it Austin Dillon? They were on that alternate strategy of, you know, if it, if it went green, they'd be in the catbird seat to end the race. Yeah. Uh, Harvick got stuck back in traffic when that when that final uh, caution came out. He ended up rebounding for a fourth-place finish, which I was very glad to see because if you follow my bets, you know that my initial bet of the week, uh, I just slammed Kevin Harvick top 10 because it was at minus 111 on, on Tipico Sportsbook. I bet it, yeah, I bet it before you did, and then you were even able to get it at an even better number, but we both absolutely slammed the shit out of it. Harvick now under Stuart Haas Racing, with Stuart Haas Racing, I should say, at Pocono and Indy, the two two and a half mile flat tracks, is now twenty one for twenty five in getting a top ten, and he was Insane. nearly even money. You know, like right. minus one eleven is like fifty two and a half percent. He needs to to do that, and he's twenty one for twenty five. Absolutely insane. Also, shout outs to uh, so. I found that one on my own, and you did too. But then shout out to Greg Mathern for pointing out the uh, AJ Allmendinger versus Austin Dillon bet. Yes. I wasn't even close, and we got Dinger at plus one forty. So I slammed both Harvick and Dinger uh, for two units each. Those my model had Dinger as a pretty clear favorite in that matchup. Uh, so yeah, just um, solid on those bets. Unfortunately, none of my longer shots came through. Are they still? Still, still felt pretty good about them. So losing week for me, but at least I didn't get shut out like I did two weeks in a row right, <laughs> leading into yeah. Pocono. But honestly, I feel very happy with my bets. Um, you know, Tyler Reddick almost won that race. He very well could have won the race had it stayed green, uh, or had they uh, not stayed green, but ha- well, potentially had it stayed green because they threw the caution as they came back around to Priest. <laughs> like who knows if he could have caught him on that last lap, or if they had thrown a caution uh, when Priest actually stalled. If he would have gotten him on the green-white checkered there. So uh, it, it would have been very interesting to see. You know, Hamlin was certainly among those that I think had to conserve some fuel should there have been a green-white checkered or two. And so I think Tyler Reddick would have been in the catbird seat there. Um, but bets aside, you know, a, a clear head on that. Um, you know, it's definitely a controversial finish. So we'll talk more about that. But, yeah, shout-outs to Ty Gibbs. His first career top five coming on the one-year anniversary of his – Cup Series debut. A um, couple other things. I thought that, you know, you, you live bet Kyle Larson, and right when you live bet him, 
I mean, within <laughs> it had to be within a minute. Christopher Bell wrecks and absolutely I screws was, you. Oh. But for whatever reason, they played the absolutely most insane, perfect strategy, and Kyle Larson actually got out in front. Now, it's very hard to pass a Pocono, so just getting that track position was monstrous. Uh, obviously, those restarts at the end certainly didn't favor him, but if it had stayed green, he probably would have won, despite the fact that the caution literally was at the worst possible time for him. I could not believe it, and yet somehow... Well, who's this crew chief? Cliff Daniels? Somehow... Mm -hmm just pulls off the exact perfect strategy to get him out front. I think they said he was going into that final stint. He was like 12th or 13th or 11th or something. And he comes out with the lead after that cycle of pit stops. Unbelievable. Yeah, it was, uh, I remember I DM'd you before when, when those live odds were up. Cause I think Larson was at 16 or 14 and yeah. I'm like, am I like, cause I was, I wasn't like fully watching. I was, I was at a bar. I was with a friend and I was like, I was in my head. I'm thinking, okay, all Larson needs is this race to go green, and he's, he's yeah. winning. And I'm like, why is he sitting at 16 to one? This makes no sense. So after I sat there for a little bit, it got down to I think 12 or 11 to one, whatever I hit it at. But, uh, but yeah, that made no sense. And and then soon after that is when sportsbooks just completely took everything off yeah. of of the board because I don't think they knew how to factor in strategy for this race yeah. because there were so many alternate strategies going on that they couldn't make odds correctly. Like Larson, you know, after his spin and a little bit of damage, there's no reason that he should have been as long as he was. I'm glad that he was, you know, obviously I didn't win that bet, but um, it, it, it was just, it was interesting to see that. Uh, speaking of bets, like you said, Christopher Bell almost ruined, um, you know, the Larson live bet for me. I, I was also heavy on Christopher Bell minus 107 for a top 10. Uh, I had Eric Jones top 10 at plus 650. I had Stenhouse top 10 at plus 715. That was a fun weekend for me when it comes because, <laughs> like, you know, obviously you you always caution against, you know, betting too many top 10 bets. I had four of them out there. All four of them hit. And that was just awesome because I have a little group chat going with a couple of my friends and I always just say, like, hey, sprinkle some money on this. Like, for example, uh, for Richmond this weekend, Stenhouse opened at 500 to 1 on Sportsbooks. I'm like – or Superbook. And I was like, put a dollar or two on this, you know. It, it's it's worth it as fast as Stenhouse was here before, but always fun uh, weekends when when bets like that hit. Other guys, you know, like I said, Stenhouse Jones both finished top ten. Harrison Burton came away with an eighth place finish. Didn't have an eighth place car. Ended up up there because of the strategy. Uh, another guy, Todd, our boy Todd Gillen, finished top fifteen again. You know, just somehow squeaking away, squeaking in these great finishes. He started dead last after having qualifying issues. Um, ended up top fifteen. You know, uh, I honestly don't know. Um, Corey LaJoy had a really fast car in 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 practice and in qualifying. You know, he qualified 12th. I don't remember exactly what happened. I know him and Ryan Priest got into it. Something happened where Priest got all pissed off again. I don't like. I don't know about you, Nick, but I cannot stand Ryan Priest, and I cannot stand people that defend Ryan Priest. The guy's not no. good. I understand that Stuart Haas Racing isn't good, but Ryan Priest is not good, and and, and people need to understand this. He's not good. So the problem like, is neither is Cole Custer. They both suck. Like yeah. <laughs> and and I saw someone tweet out today like all the bad luck that Ryan Priest has had this year, and one of them was a B, it said BS speeding penalty at at one of the tracks. And I'm like, so his own mistake is bullshit. Like. That's, yeah. that's on him. That's not – they didn't calculate his speed wrong. It's on him. He sped. 
Like he's just a dumbass. Like, and and the and these little you know temper tantrums that he's throwing these because he got into it with McDowell last week at uh, where were they last week? I'm blanking. Uh, that's a good question. New Hampshire. Um, he got yeah, into he got into it with with McDowell at New Hampshire, and now he's getting into it with LaJoy. Like, congratulations, you're fighting guys because you're you know you two are fighting for 25th place on the track. Like, Ryan Priest just needs to go away. Like, I. I, I wanted to root for him earlier in the year. I'm just not, I'm not there. But like I said, though, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. gets another top 10 this year. Harrison Burton gets another top 10. Eric Jones gets a uh, career high. He, had, he now has eight top 10s at Pocono, which is just like – yeah. We used to talk about uh, Eric Jones. You know, he's very good at Darlington. You can throw – you can now throw Pocono, Pocono. in there because yeah, absolutely. 12 starts, 12 starts, five top fives. Eight top tens, two top tens now with Pet- Petty slash Legacy Motor Club. Uh, so, you know, here's the awesome thing that frustrates me. Um, you know, I had top ten bets, obviously, on Harvick, and my other two were eight to one bets on Michael McDowell and Austin Sendrick. I stand behind those bets, still think they were good bets, especially mm-hmm. considering Sendrick qualified in the top ten. Michael McDowell ran close to the top 12 or 13 most of the race until the end there. We had some terrible strategy. Uh, so, felt very good about those. But I also showed value on Jones and Stenhouse top 10, just like Jim Sonis of uh, Number Fire FanDuel did, uh, my good buddy Jim. We both showed value on Stenhouse and Jones, but since I had already bet three top 10s, I didn't want to dilute them any further. Right. Should have just bet them because I was showing value on them. Um, so a little frustrated with myself there, but I feel good about my bets. Like I, I bet Blaney 16-1 to to win. He was in the lead when his car yeah. fucking just – Shit the bed. Like, nothing he could do. Electrical car. issues. Redick almost won, 16 to 1. I think I had maybe one other outright. Um, I had Almarola 200 to 1. I remember that, which, not very good. Almarola was a garbage, garbage there. Uh, oh, and then I took, I followed you with Christopher Bell on 25 to 1 right before the race started, and I still like that yeah. bet as well. So, I feel great about my bets at Pocono. Obviously, it didn't work out, but at least A, we didn't get shut out for, for my side of things, and B, um, you know, it was only a small loss, but I feel confident that I didn't make any mistakes this past weekend in terms of the bets I did made. I think the only mistake I made was not betting Jones and Stenhouse top 10, given that both Jim and I were showing value on that. And when we get into uh, Richmond for, for analysis this week, there's one bet that both Jim and I are, are definitely showing value on. So I'll probably have to, uh, have to bet that. Yeah. I, I'm, you know, we'll get to, we'll get to Richmond later in this episode, but opening odds came out and there were some there were some values out there there's probably still some values there odds are kind of all over the place i like it um and uh, but the, the the thing about richmond though is like we know who's going to be good there but as you said uh you know you're happy with your process uh you're not going to whine about yourself this weekend but we got no. some stuff to, we got some stuff to whine about uh from pocono so that's going to get us right into whine about it here from Pocono Raceway, and uh, you know, you want to start, or do you want me to start? Well, I started last week. You go this time. Okay, I know, I know what you're going to whine about, and and we're both going to whine about it. So, I'm going to, you know, obviously this race ended pretty controversially. Um, was there contact? Was there not? Versus Denny Hamlin versus Kyle Larson. You know, obviously Lar- Larson's pissed. Like you could tell in his post race interview, he's he's very mad. You know, obviously those two are friends off the track, but basically Larson said, you know, if you're not going to race me with any respect, I'm going to change the way that you, that I race you now. And I, I'm pretty sure Larson pretty much said like, 
I need to earn that respect back. And, you know, the way that he's losing races this year and, and the, he could easily have seven, seven wins right now through the first 22 races or 21 races. Like that's how good that team has been. They just, they're not, they're getting in bad positions. He's getting shit happen to him. You know, I understand Larson's frustration at the same time. And we talked about this before we, before we started recording this, I've watched that replay probably 50 times. I, I don't want to defend any Hamlin here because I think, I think if if you, if you hit somebody, if you're aggressive like that, that you need to own it and you need to say, yes, I did that. I cannot see where there's a huge amount of contact. If any, I, I, I understand Denny's getting a ton of heat right now. A lot of people hate him. Truex, his own teammate said that it was a dirty move. Was it a dirty move or was it necessary in this car? Do you need to do this with this car or else like, like Hamlin would have no chance of winning if he didn't run his line. But at the same time, he ran his line and he did not make significant contact into Larson to put him into the wall. So my whine about it is going to be about people that are sitting here. Like, as I said, though, like I'm going to be a little, I'm going to sound a little contradictory here, but people that come out here and say, Denny Hamlin needs to own it and say that he wrecked him and he put Larson in the wall and that's why he won. And it was dirty, blah, blah, blah. Like even his teammate says it. Here's the thing. One, yes. If you flat out wreck somebody, I think you should own it. But I'm going to say this. NASCAR has set the precedent. Denny Hamlin can't say anything. We've seen that back at Phoenix when he said, yeah, I got, I got Chastain back. I just went up and hit him. And what happened? He got penalized. That'll never happen again. Denny Hamlin will never, I, I understand like Kyle Petty went on and said, Denny Hamlin's never wrong. It looks like that. Yes. But Denny Hamlin can't because even if he just briefly says, uh, you know, yes, I hit him and NASCAR somehow takes that as I purposely hit him. And that's why I won. Who's to say that they're not going to strip that win from Hamlin. He can't afford to say that he did anything there. All he can do is deny it and look like a bad guy in public because NASCAR then can't do anything to him because they can't prove that he purposely went up and hit Larson and put him into the wall. So the people saying that he should own it, he should be a man. Yes, I get that side, but at the same point, you need to realize that he can't. And this is 100% NASCAR's fault because they don't let the drivers actually talk about what actually happens on the racetrack. It's just like some, you know, like the olden times of, uh, an older father in a family not wanting any negative view any anyone to view negatively on the family so they everything's all hunky dory when you go out in public when in behind closed doors it's a shit show this is what it is for NASCAR NASCAR wants for some reason wants to maintain that public image and that also comes full circle as to why they can't market this sport correctly and it's not going to grow because they don't have the balls to sit here and say Hamlin put Larson into the wall yeah. And then create a feud because that's exactly what they need. That's, that's exactly what they needed with everything that happened with Chastain. You market this stuff. You latch onto this stuff. It's just like w what they did with – go back to when Dale Earnhardt was racing. They latched onto the Intimidator thing, and they made it his persona. You have to, you have to do that with these drivers. I, am, I said for years, I think that these drivers have our cardboard cutouts. I'm going to sit here and say I think I'm wrong. I think a ton of these drivers have the personality that they need to um, 
grow this sport, to make these guys stars, NASCAR refuses to do it because yep. they want to keep up their image. And that's yeah. where I'm at on it. I agree with you. By the that, way, I'm... I before uh, I, I'm opening my wine now, I forgot before I started this. I'm drinking uh, the Passion Strawberry Lemonade. I've already reviewed Dude, it. It's amazing. I was but... literally just talking to uh, my girlfriend about that one. I need to get that one. So I can't wait. You have to let it's us so know. Good. Um, it's so good. But to your point, okay, so Denny Hamlin got his suspension, not suspension, his points fine or whatever, you know, and, and, and all that stuff, monetary fine, uh, because he admitted to the deal with Chastain. And then what did we see? We saw NASCAR do that a couple other times in either Xfinity or trucks. And yep. one of those, specifically one of those, became because of radio communication. Well, guess what exactly. happened when Hamlin and Larson had their incident? The radio communication was Hamlin and Hamlin's crew chief shit-talking Larson because they had to go the opposite direction. They couldn't, even on the radio, couldn't be like, oh, yeah, I got into him or whatever. So they had to essentially intentionally assign blame to Larson just because, like, they have to cover their ass at this point. Uh, that's just the precedent NASCAR has set. So it's one of those things where Hamlin just, he has to race hard. He's going for the win. A win is important. He raced in, he raced, uh, you know, Larson no differently than he raced Chastain last year. And none exactly. of us had a problem with that. None of us had a problem with that. I don't have a problem with how he raced Larson. I don't. You're racing hard for the win. Maybe a little tiny door-to-door -door contact. There's nothing wrong with that. If if you put the guy on the wall, you put the guy on the wall, he'll get you back later. There's still nothing wrong with it as long as you're not, like, slamming a dude into the fence. And what it, I could say Danny Hamlin made him uh, an air quote mistake without actually being in the wrong. That's just hard racing, you know? Mm -hmm. I, there, I think there's a difference between making a mistake or getting into a guy, and, and I don't even know if he did. Like you said, I watched the replay 50 times as well. I could say there's a difference between maybe he, you know, took a little too much space or whatever, but also morally wasn't in the wrong, right? Because that's mm -hmm. just hard racing for the win. And Larson was just also kind of put himself in that spot, was in that spot. He had every opportunity to change the way that turned out as well, just like Ross did last year. So um, it, it's one of those things, though, as far as the, you know, the Hamlin, Kenny admitted or whatever, I think he admitted as much as he could. He had to race Larson hard for the win, and that's all he could say. And, you know, here's the thing. It, 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 it's not like Hamlin forced Larson up there. That was Larson's line. Like, it's, it, yeah. it's not like he bumped him out of his line. It, it, that was Larson's line. If, if, if Larson was making that the rest of that turn, that contact did not put Larson into the wall. Larson's line put him into the wall, and – Honestly, kudos to Hamlin for for shoving Larson, not shoving Larson, but put him in that position to get there. But mm -hmm. you know, you go back to the the previous caution when Bowman spun out, you know, running in fourth. Again, Hamlin was right there. All he did, he all he did was change the air. He didn't he didn't bump Bowman out of the way. We're not sitting there saying that he wrecked Bowman. No. Obviously, this is a little different. Um, but you know, I feel like I I I. You know, if you listen to this podcast for very long, you know that I wasn't a Denny Hamlin fan. I kind of turned into a Denny Hamlin fan. Now I like him because of how outspoken he is. I was questioning, you know, whether I wanted to get back on the hate hate Denny Hamlin tra train um, before we record or like for the past couple of days. There are so many people hating on Denny Hamlin that I think it's it's now become a it's like a Chastain. It's now fun to hate Denny Hamlin. 
It's like it was fun to hate Kyle Busch when he the last 10 years. Now all of a sudden Kyle Busch is kind of like he's getting cheers. We need a new villain. We have a new villain in Denny Hamlin along with Ross Chastain. It's good for the sport. I don't think Hamlin did anything wrong, and neither does NASCAR because, you know, nothing's came out. Yep. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Um, just a very, very interesting ending, I will say, to that race as far as uh, that moment between Kyle Larson and Denny Hamlin. But my whine about it is also about the ending, and I think a lot of people have their opinions on this ending, but to me that was a – bogus decision by nascar so my whine about it is nascar not throwing the yellow when there is a car dead stick on the track not moving not just not moving but not moving for five ten fifteen seconds before they even cross the start finish line there is no hope of that dude restarting his car before the field comes around you know it you know you're going to be throwing the yellow anyway why aren't you throwing the yellow right away it makes no sense and it's just it's a terrible decision this and you know people will say oh you you won or lost your bets or well i'm denny hamlin fan right he won the race because of that nascar decision potentially um because there were two ways he could have lost it if they just let him finish that whole last lap and reddick passed him or if green white checkered reddick has potentially or, or somebody else has the potential to pass him i'm denny hamlin fan um yeah i had a bet on reddick but it didn't matter uh, i've i think i've been very clear over the course of the time we've been doing this podcast that I have no problem saying NASCAR did something right if it negatively affects my bet or NASCAR did something wrong if it positively affects my bet, right? Like, that's not an issue. The issue was NASCAR waited a solid 15 seconds just for them to reach the start-finish line and then another 15 seconds until they came around turns one and two to throw the yellow. It's the same deal with the tire at Kansas that got stuck in the infield that one yes. time. If why if are you going to throw the yellow 30 laps later to retrieve the tire? If it was a safety issue 30 laps later, why wasn't it a safety issue when it first happened? So that for me, that's it's just inexcusable by NASCAR. And part of the reason the fans were booing is because they knew NASCAR needed to throw the yellow to ensure a competitive finish. Uh, a, a fair competitive finish and instead they didn't and you and I have been quick you know we've criticized NASCAR plenty of times for too quick on the yellow mm-hmm. trigger there so maybe there's some of that but they had 15 seconds to make that decision at least uh, and they they got it wrong 15 t- seconds is a ton of time in racing everybody sitting at home they're showing a replay. They're cutting back. Like, we all had time to say, throw the yellow ten times over. And they never did. So it was just, uh, I don't understand it. The the only thing that we, you and I have asked for when it comes to these cautions, these late cautions, is consistency. And that's just not what we're getting. And I think that's the most frustrating thing. And as far as I'm concerned, I like every one of these, you know, quick – quick trigger cautions uh, late in the race or now this no caution to me, this is race manipulation 100% because you're not being consistent. There should have been another restart. We saw all weekend. Anybody that spun could not get going. Nobody that spun got going immediately. You knew that uh, who was it? They'd even spun priest. 
I think it was priests yeah, that, priest. that spun. I think that's what caused the whole tempers. Yeah, 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 because probably off of LaJoy. We knew that he wasn't getting going. As soon as, soon as he spun, I'm like, he's not going to get going. There's no chance. Just like mm-hmm. Logano, he wasn't going to get going. Like, it's – so – for, for for everybody that spun throughout the entire weekend to never get going and then NASCAR to sit there with the race on the line and not throw a caution before they got to the to the uh, white flag it's it's race manipulation in my opinion because you knew mm-hmm. you could you could say not certainly but almost without a shadow of a doubt that that he was not going to get going and you were going to need to throw a caution because you can't just let these cars come around at 200 miles an hour you know at a at a yeah. At a car that stopped on the track. Not to mention, yeah. what, what does Priest have to do? Like, what's his incentive to get going, even if he does? Because when he did start get going, he didn't. He wasn't going like normal speed to get off the track. Like, hey, they're coming around at mm. 180 miles an hour. He was just, you know, lollygagging mm. around. Exactly. So, it's I I don't understand it. I don't understand why more people like I I don't I I understand the whole Hamlin Larson thing is taking precedence. Uh, for people talking, but this is just another example of NASCAR officiating being absolute shit. And I, I don't know, like we're probably going to see something like this in the playoffs. And the fact mm-hmm. that something like that can determine a championship, you know, when you, you, people don't like comparing NASCAR to other sports, but we see in football where like NFL, one bad call by the refs can, can have a, a major impact on on the entire game and the the outcome of the game and it's exactly what we see with nascar too now see here's the thing if they had a second before the the start finish line or two or yeah. three seconds i wouldn't have an issue because it takes a little bit to determine that you know like mm-hmm. it, because even though we know none of those cars got restarted all weekend it's we still need a second or two to determine is he completely stopped has he not kept it fired but once it's been there for five ten fifteen seconds it's you got to throw it. And to your point about race manipulation, or let's say this happened in the championship race. Let's pretend Phoenix was in the championship race. Or, or even, you know, maybe they had just crossed the start-finish line and had to come back around for another 20 seconds or 15 seconds. Um, I would rather they th- throw the caution early simply so that the drivers could race it out for the championship rather than... Um, you know, it, it being, well, Denny's got a two second lead or a half second lead or whatever. And it's gonna be really hard to pass. There was no opportunity to race it out for the lead. Even, even if they had run the full last lap, that would have been a chance to race it out. Now, obviously they can't. Cause like you said, you don't want them barreling down at Ryan Priest at 150 miles an hour or whatever, but, uh, <laughs> at least it gives them the chance to race it out for the championship, uh, or race it out in this case for the race win. And, Speaking of, uh, I got another little side wine about it. Um, speaking of barreling down at Ryan Priest at 150, 200 miles an hour, I saw a tweet about gimmicks in NASCAR, and I quote tweeted it. You may have seen it. Oh, yeah. I, I said this. the lucky dog is not a gimmick. The lucky dog is literally capturing NASCAR tradition because you know what? We used to race to the start finish line, we would have barreled by Ryan Priest. I guess had it been called, had the caution been called when it was after the start finish line, we would have barreled past Ryan Priest racing to the end. And back in the day, it, had it not been the last lap, let's say it was middle of the race when that happened, traditionally the leader would back off and allow people 
mm-hmm. that are lapped to unlap themselves without letting second or third place. And in second or third place would typically back off gentlemen's agreement. So the lucky dog is not a gimmick. It is literally upholding tradition, tradition that we had to throw away in the name of safety. And I'm glad we do because 2003, New Hampshire, Dale Jarrett spins, Casey Mears is barreling down on him, barely misses him. That could have been an absolute disaster. And we've just seen two deaths at New Hampshire in the past three years with uh, Adam Petty and Kenny Irwin hitting the wall on their stuck throttles. Now, this would well, obviously not a stuck throttle situation, but you can't have that. So NASCAR rightly decided, okay, we're no longer going to race back to the line, but as a concession to years and years and decades and decades of tradition, we're going to allow one car to get their lap back. So anybody Which that, all- and, and I saw a few people in my mentions like, no, it's still a gimmick. And they, they don't even know their reasoning. They don't know their NASCAR history. They don't know the reasoning. People are saying, oh, it's a gimmick by NASCAR for competition. No, it's not. It's literally just upholding a decades, 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 many decades of tradition in the name of safety. And I think that's the right decision. The lucky dog is not a gimmick. Sorry. Not to mention, uh, it cre- it, like we've seen it create competition on the track, r- racing for the lucky dog or yep. racing to, to, to be the, the first car lap down. Um, the only thing gimmicky about the lucky dog is the name. That's why people hate it because they call it the lucky dog. And that's why people call it the free pass instead because it's more descriptive. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. Like Mike yeah, Joy, I think Mike Joy – He's, he's gotten terrible over the last couple of years, but he's always called it the free pass instead of the lucky dog. Other than I think there was a contracted period where it was the Aaron's lucky dog and he had to call it that. Um, <laughs> he's always called it the free pass. So uh, I think that's a conscious decision to, to be more descriptive about what it is. You get a free pass around the track if you're the first car lap down. Um, but you're right. The only gimmicky thing is, is the name, and I think that actually came from Benny Parsons was the first to use it in 2003 after it was implemented. Benny Parsons called it a lucky dog, and it kind of, you know, the lingo stayed around. Um, but uh, the free pass is definitely a better name for it. I think uh, well, that that's what I prefer. Some people call it the lucky dog. I prefer the free pass, but the thing in the graphic that I quote to it was listed as lucky dogs. That's why I'm just saying that. But it's not a gimmick. It is legitimately a good decision by NASCAR to uphold tradition in the name of safety, and that's the – that's the best approximation for what they, you know, used to do. Mm-hmm. And you know, a lot of people that call it the gimmick, they they're the ones that enjoy the wrecks, so they don't give two shits about safety. They no, they want exactly. to, they want to see unsafe situations. But uh, that's gonna wrap up wine about it this week. As usual, presented by Luvabella Winery. Like I said, it's passion strawberry lemonade. It's amazing. It has some carbonation in it. Uh, Can't wait to try, try out all their flavors. Uh, yeah, Nick still needs to try it. Try out all their flavors. They have a bunch of great wines. My favorite, still, Purple Rain. Can't go wrong there. Nick's, the bourbon barrel-aged Merlot, one of his favorite wines ever. But, yeah, check them out. As always, I'll put the link in the description. I will uh, and tweet it out. And make sure you check them out. You can get them shipped directly to your door. You can find them in stores. Uh, Passion Brands, Purple Rain, Reds. Uh, they have quite a few wines, so make sure you check them out. But that's going to get us into the standings. Uh, let's take a look. We have, we have a lot to talk about this week. We have a lot to talk about the standings. This is getting interesting. So Daniel Suarez uh, got wrecked at Pocono, and that had some major playoff implications. And you could tell on his radio, you know, he did not want to 
he was leaking oil. He was leaking water. He did not want to stop because he knew how big that was. My uh, Daniel Suarez is now behind the cut line by 23 points behind Michael McDowell. 18th in points for Suarez. A.J. Allmendinger is 17 points behind uh, Michael McDowell in the playoff standings. Bubba Wallace is now a solid 10 points ahead of the cut line. Uh, Stenhouse is good. And then Busher, Keselowski, and Harvick are all solidly inside the playoffs. It's going to take major collapses from them to not make it and or several different winners over these next five races. Two, three, four, five. Yeah, five races before the playoff cut line. But currently, Bubba Wallace, Michael McDowell in, A.J. Allmendinger, Daniel Suarez, Ty Gibbs, Alex Bowman, Chase Elliott out. Chase Elliott is now uh, from the cut line 56 points. You know, he ended up with an 11th place finish at Pocono. He did he get any stage points? Uh, Chase no, Elliott? He did not. No. 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 Uh, but still, 56 points over five races. Now we're looking at 11 points gained per race over someone like Michael McDowell, who's, who's finishing about, you know, teens every week. As you said, as soon as this started, this is getting less and less likely that Chase Elliott's going to point his way into the playoffs. I thought it was possible. It's not looking possible. Alex Bowman looks like he could miss it. This is going to get interesting because you know what this brings to the table for guys like Alex Bowman, for guys like Chase Elliott, Ty Gibbs, anyone that's not locked in now. I could still see I could see Bubba Wallace points racing. I could see Michael McDowell maybe points racing, but at the same time, I could see all these guys taking massive risks on race day to win the race and get into the playoffs, especially Alex Bowman and Chase Elliott. It's interesting. I was thinking about that. AJ Allmendinger. We've got two road courses. Oh, we do. Does he points oh. race or does he race for the win? Because, like you said, he's only 13 points off the cut line. Does he point race or does he go for the win? What strategy do you use in those two races? This is going to be oh. absolutely insane. Chase Elliott's a great road course racer. Daniel Soares is a very good road course racer. But also 16th place Michael McDowell. Great road course racer. This is going yes. to get bonkers. Oh. And then you mentioned Chase Elliott is, uh, you know, uh, what is it, 56 points off the cut line to Michael McDowell. He actually lost ground because Bubba Wallace was 16th last week but had a very solid mm. day, good finish, uh, 11th place finish, which was behind Chase Elliott. But he did get stage points and skipped over Michael McDowell. So even though Chase Elliott gained points on Michael McDowell, he lost points to the cut line. Now Chase Elliott by being 56 points down with five races left, is more than 11 points per race uh, out of getting in. And if you remember when we talked, when he was he needed eight point, whatever, eight and a half, let's say, 8.4, 8.6, I forget what the exact number was, points per race. And then this past week he needed just over 10 points per race. Now he needs over 11 points per race. He's slipping the wrong way here. He's not going to point his way in. Chase Elliott has to win. He has to win. Alex Bowman probably has to win because uh, he's only uh, oh, 10 points closer than Chase Elliott is. So he is, instead of being uh, 56 points out, he's 46 points out. So he's like nine and something, nine and change. Ty Gibbs, a little bit closer, right? Like he's only 28 points out. That's pretty doable over five races if Ty Gibbs can perform at a higher level than he's performed in his career. And we are seeing him sometimes performing better he needs to turn it up he needs to have close to a career set of weeks here 
but he probably can point his way in. Uh, I shouldn't say probably. He, he can point his way in. I don't think it's likely, but he can. It's more much more realistic for Daniel Suarez, A.J. Allmendinger, I think, to point their way in over a Michael McDowell or a Bubba Wallace because there's every chance in the world one of those two stumbles. Uh, it's just going to be – it's going to be insane. And then you add in Daytona, right, road courses – it could get wild on who could uh, make it in, not make it in. Is the cut line going to shift, right? If the cut line shifts upward, makes it even harder for Elliott Bowman Gibbs to point their way in. So I think if you're if you're Ty Gibbs or below, and especially if you're Alex Bowman or below, you probably got to think about winning. You, yeah, and you got you got to do whatever you can to put yourself in a position to win, because honestly, Alex Bowman right now he doesn't have the speed to win. He doesn't have mm-hmm. the speed raw speed to win. He can't points race. He's, he needs a win. But, you know, you brought up these two two road courses. So we got Richmond this week, go to Michigan next week. Then Indy Road Course, which A.J. Allmendinger won two years ago. And then Watkins Glen, who he, he finished second at last year. A.J. Allmendinger could be the spoiler here. And, and what the – but honestly, me, when it comes to the points situation now – I kind of want to see it go into Daytona like it is. All of these guys super close right on the cut line and it all coming down to Daytona and maybe one of them can win, but they're all points racing and it's Daytona and it's a shit show. And that's what I'm rooting for. I'm, I, as much as I, I like seeing different winners, I hope we don't get any different winners the next four races. And I hope we go into Daytona points like they are. And uh, that is one time that I will support points as they run the entire race. The entire <laughs> race, put put it on that fucking screen. And then you have guys like Austin Cindric on back who could win that race and get their way in to really throw things off. So you've got points as they run, but you also have Cindric, Haley Gillen, Almirola, LaJoy, Priest, Jones, Burton, Austin Dillon, Chase Briscoe, Ty Dillon, Noah Gregson. Hell, BJ McLeod, why not? Uh, well, no, I guess he didn't do every race, so no. But uh, all the way through Noah Gregson could win their way in uh which would be absolutely insane it's i'm telling you like as much as people hate the playoffs and everything that comes with them last year was exciting this year's looking to be as equally exciting when it comes maybe to these, more these points because team. last maybe. year we only had that blaney versus truex thing and then another winner and, and don't get me wrong that was exciting as hell yeah but and uh, this and, is and another thing level year, of exciting. And the biggest thing this year is because Bowman and Elliott both missed so much time, and mm-hmm. they don't have wins. And, mm-hmm. and so now you have two elite drivers. Well, Chase Elliott's elite. Alex Bowman's not elite. I don't want to throw he's, that he's word on out. The, he's on the upper upper tier, you know, like upper middle tier at worst. Bowman is, Bowman is very good. He's not 28th at least. He's not yeah. 28th. <laughs> yeah. Um, but... Uh, this is, you know, and that's and that's just adding the another aspect to it. Uh, but points currently, looking up top, you know, getting away from this this little bubble for a second. Martin Truex Jr. now is has a thirty point lead on William Byron. Over the last over the next five races, what do you think? So it goes Truex right now with seven hundred eleven points. William Byron has six eighty one, and then Hamlin's way back with six fifty six. It's going to come down to Byron and Truex, I think, you know, for this regular season championship. Do you see Truex losing it at this point? Obviously, Byron's had speed all year, but Truex, you know, 
very good at Richmond, pretty good at, at Michigan. We know he can get it done at road courses, at least the top 10 finish. You know, Byron's a little iffy on road courses. And then Daytona, Truex sucks at Daytona. That, that might be where he loses it, is Daytona. Yeah, well, so here's the thing. And, and funny enough, Truex had a good finish at Daytona last year, even with a broken car, simply because everybody else wrecked in, in that rain wreck, and he didn't. But uh, here's the thing. Truex is favored not only because he has a 30-point lead, but he gets the nod at Richmond over Byron, I think, by a little bit. Byron gets the nod over him at Michigan by a little bit. The road courses are probably pretty even. You know, last year we would have said Byron just because Toyota was out to lunch, but Truex has been strong at the road courses this year. Uh, Of course, so has Byron. Byron's not a bad road course racer. So it kind of may be a toss-up there. And then I think Daytona maybe a slight nod to Byron. Um, you know, maybe you want to give a slight nod to, to Truex on the road courses. So it's it's a toss-up, but that means if it's a toss-up in terms of, like, the nod over the next five races and Byron's 30 points behind, then the expectation is probably, probably Byron ends up around 30 points behind. So Truex is a pretty solid favorite to win the regular season points title right now. Um, it would take... You know, certainly some bad results from him and some good results from Byron. I guess Denny Hamlin maybe could, like, go on fire uh, as well. Uh, you know, it, it's possible, I guess. But I would say Truex is probably a pretty hefty favorite to, to take the regular season points crown. But certainly when I say hefty favorite, I mean maybe 60 65%. You know, somewhere in, like, the minus 150 range, I would put it. Maybe minus 160. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Currently, standings as they are, Truex is going to enter the uh, – Truex and Byron are going to enter the, the playoffs. Truex – if it ended now, Truex is having – starts with 33 points. Byron starts with 32. Those are some mass that's – a, that's a huge advantage here this, this year, especially when you look at, you know, Hamlin's going to start with 22. Everyone else – Kyle Busch would have 22, but everyone else is in the teens or lower. Mm-hmm. So those 30 points, it's going to be, it's going to be really big uh, for them come – come playoff time and what they're going to do it uh with 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 larson having such a volatile season uh you know hero or zero currently if if playoffs started now he'd only he'd only start with 17 so he'd start with basically half the points of truex and byron which is which is a little crazy to to think about but um but yeah other than that you know like i said this this bubble is going to be interesting i think it's awesome that michael mcdowell's currently in on points that's that's fun to see um but almondinger suarez gibbs bowman elliott all racing their way in man we got we got a next the next five weeks are going to be extremely entertaining and i hope that this upward trend of viewership on nascar continues because if they present this correctly and they and and nbc explains this all correctly this has drama written all over it which is going to get the people hooked and that's that's what i want to see for this sport Yep, I agree with you. I think the the next five weeks could be some of the best entertainment we've seen in in years in NASCAR just from the playoff drama. And Daytona is going to be absolutely must-watch TV. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Daytona is going to be must-watch TV. Uh, it's going to be wild. And, and hopefully there's no rain that comes into play. Hopefully it's just a straight, you know, 400-mile dogfight to, to yeah. see who wins that and who points their way in who doesn't 
um, because I want I want some damn hard racing. Not a, a rain wrecking out 80% of the field. I want to see some damn hard, crazy racing at Daytona to uh, end the regular season. Agreed, 100%. And, and like, as much as I, as much as the you know indie road course has been a shit show, I'm not a huge fan of Watkins Glen. That's just going to add the drama to it. You know, three weeks out, we're at Indy Road Course, and literally anything can happen. Uh, and then, you know, Watkins Glen, that, that'll come. That'll all come into strategy as well, what, what guys are going to do. And, man, it's going to be fun. But this weekend, we are at Richmond Raceway for the second time this year. Uh, Kyle Larson got the win the first time at Richmond. This will be the fourth race at this track under this new car. And... I, uh, you know, people wanting to, you know, preview Richmond, I don't, I didn't realize until I saw uh, Ryan with uh, win the race, he posted, you know, the, the tire fall off percentages, that Richmond is even higher than Darlington. Yeah, it, it always depends. Tire, it always depends. Um, depends on the weather conditions, things like that. Also... Uh, it, in, in terms of like raw mile an hour, um, Darlington has a bigger fall off just because it's faster. So it depends on the metric you use. I do like to use a percent fall off, but when you get start to get lower and lower and lower in percentages, those percentages can look in terms of miles an hour, those percentages can look inflated because a one mile an hour fall off, uh, from 199 is 1%. A one mile fall, an hour fall off from 200 to 199 is only half a percent. But now do that with like three, four, five, six miles an hour and it, it starts like double. So it's, it depends. And like, look at Auto Club earlier this year. The weather was cold as shit. Um, yeah. Kind of like last year, Martinsville. It didn't have the fall off it normally has in other years. So I think we need to take like a multi year aggregate uh, for one thing. For another thing, the early in a run and late in the run, that he uses and, and i've used in the past it's not a knock on his method- methodology at all um it's just nascar's the way they do that isn't always perfect there's sometimes there's negative fall off at high tire wear tracks that i've seen it's just uh not a perfect way uh that they do it so uh, i think it's more of a uh you know look at the temperature look at the age of the track look at the location of the track because tracks that go through a lot more temperature variation will experience a lot more wear uh, just because of the harsh winters, warm summers, etc. So like Vegas isn't going to age as much uh, or as quickly as um, Kansas, right? Like Kansas and Vegas are very similar, but Kansas is four years younger in track surface age, but it has harsher winters, warmer summers, whereas Vegas is just kind of like very mild winters and, and hot summers. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have the same like cold hot variation that kansas has so kansas is actually even though it's four years younger in surface age um is pretty much the same as vegas in terms of like actual tire wear mm-hmm. one thing that that richmond's tire wear and it, by the way it's supposed to be hot as shit in richmond this weekend mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. i think it's supposed to be like 90s during the race um but this high tire wear what it does is 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 it brings into account more strategy plays and we saw it happen earlier this year with the first race uh you know guys like josh barry michael mcdowell they gambled they got a timely caution and you know barry finished second mcdowell finished sixth they didn't have that, those good of cars they, they they got the track position late and then were able to put on tires and and win it and, and we saw you know last year there were drivers that would try try to you know 
take the strategy of one long run to end the race or split it in twos with the new tires and hope you're fast enough to pass the guys that do it in one stop. So that's another whole another aspect of of Richmond that how do you how do you handicap stuff like that? Can you handicap stuff like that? Because we know who's going to be quick here. We know the guys are going to be fast. Truex is going to be fast. Hamlin's going to be fast. Larson's going to be fast. Byron's going to be fast. Harvick's going to be fast. By the way, uh, before we get into this, before I forget about it, you know, uh, like I said earlier, opening odds came out at Richmond. Ross Chastain, as much as I hate Ross Chastain, he opened at 25 to 1. I couldn't pass on that. That's, that's one of those bets I could not pass on. He's had, he had one of the best cars here earlier this year. I understand he's in a slump right now, but if we've learned anything about Chastain, is typically when they're super fast somewhere, they're going to be super fast the next time too. Whether and and I know you think they're testing, just like Byron was last year. I don't know if I'm on that yet. It, it would certainly make sense because their drop off in speed makes no sense. But um, here's the thing: like I said, I hit Ross Chastain early, twenty-five to one. I'm also I also have my eye on Harvick. Uh, this week, which I always I always do at Richmond, uh, Harvick always has a great long run car. Most books he's at eight eight to one, nine to one. Here is my I know people like to bitch about this not being a betting podcast. Here is my betting uh, advice for Kevin Harvick this week: is wait till after qualifying, because he has not been a good qualifier this year. The reason he qualified so well at Pocono last week was because they got that cloud cover. That's the only reason that he qualified as high as he did. He's not a good qualifier. Mm-hmm. When he qualifies 15th, 18th this weekend at, at Richmond, he's going to get up in that 12 to 1 range or longer. So, my word of advice this week, wait until after qualifying if you're interested in betting Harvick. As much as I think he can win, but I'm not betting him at 9 to 1. Will I bet yeah. him after after qualifying and after he looks great on the long run in practice and he's 12 to 1 or 14 to 1? Yes, I will. Probably, maybe. I'm not going to do anything there. <laughs> yes, so <will>. probably, maybe. <laughs> so, so here's the thing about Richmond. Uh, yeah, strategy can come into play, um, but that's kind of the variance part of Richmond. But Richmond's otherwise incredibly predictable. Yes, uh, I can fit a model. My my current model that I have up on my screen has an R squared of around zero point six five. Uh, at Richmond, and that's just using data from 2016 to present at Richmond. Um, in, in terms of like the the data I'm testing it against. Now, obviously, I'm using all the data for like you know current form or similar track form. But like then just looking at Richmond races, I'm getting R squared around 0.65, just on um, non DNF cars, right? So I'm not counting ones at DNF. I get around 0.65, uh, and that's. That's really good. That's on the one of the highest I can get on any track, and that's just the linear model. I haven't even done my non-linear model yet, which will. Uh, well, I have. I'm just saying uh, the one I have on screen is is 0.65 with a linear model. My non-linear model gets around um, 0.697 r squared. Nice. Nice. Uh, so it's really, really good. It's really predictable. Fast cars, or even going into the race without knowing starting position, without knowing practice, we know who's going to be good here. We do, yep. and that lets us find early week value. Um, there is some early week value this week, but before I before I get into that, now I have to say my my nonlinear model is around 0.69 r squared. The incident rate at Richmond since 2016, and 
I believe removing 2019, which was the high downforce year. You remember that in the in the Gen 6 car? They had like a one year of high downforce, which was stupid. Uh, yep. Like at Martinsville, Keselowski and Truex led over 400 laps in those two Martinsville races. It was terrible. But removing the high downforce year of 2019, from 2016 to present at Richmond, the incident rate, the major incident rate, so something that really sets you behind, not just like a speeding penalty or I went a lap down because of a pit issue or whatever, an actual major incident rate is only 6.9%. Nice. So Hmm. we're going to have a clean race at Richmond. Like we don't see, generally don't see chaos at Richmond, right? We just see cars making their laps and trying to conserve their tires and uh it's a very low incident rate track so it's very predictable so if we find early week value we should bet it and that's to your point harvick is not early week value yet and he will get better most likely after practice and qualifying like you said but the early week value i do have right now that both jim sonis of number fire uh fanduel and i have is Brad Keselowski at 30 to 1. Uh, mm. We both have him over 5.5% to win, which sounds crazy, but Brad is really good here. Uh, and you remember last year, Chris Buescher almost won this race, and Brad was running so well. Brad ran, again, really well earlier this year. Um, Brad Keselowski at 30 to 1 is value, but. The bet I really like, and then I hit hard. I can't track it in the action app because for whatever reason, we're not pulling in matchups at BetMGM yet. But Brad Keselowski minus 115 over Ty Gibbs. Both Hmm. Jim and I have Brad at like more than a tier above Ty Gibbs. Like, you know, you think about like fantasy football tiers. Like there's like three or four drivers in your your little group or, or, or NFL players in your little group of wide receivers or whatever, like tiers. Keselowski's more than a tier above Ty Gibbs for both of us. Uh, and they're both minus 115. So without the juice, they're saying it's a coin flip. Keselowski is... I've, I've already hit that one. I've already hit that one for two units. Keselowski absolutely favored to win here by quite a bit over Ty Gibbs in terms of that head-to-head matchup. Very high on Brad Keselowski this week. And here's the funny thing. Jim and I, we, we align a lot on our models. Um very similar I, like i mentioned this past week like stenhouse and jones we were aligned i should have done it it's gonna be interesting to see what happens with joey logano uh jim and i are five percent apart on joey logano he's at like ballpark four percent my model my my and i don't choose the data or, or sorry i don't choose the variables the algorithm chooses it for me there's a like i said a feature selection algorithm has determined that laps led at Richmond is very predictive of laps uh, of finishing position at Richmond. Well, last year, Joey Logano in this this very race, the second Richmond race, led over 200 laps. But you go back even several races, last 8, 10, 12 races, and he's consistently leading 10% of the laps. So if he's consistently leading 10% of the laps, shouldn't he be not necessarily 10% to win, but pretty high? Well, you'd think so. So I know his short, flat track form hasn't been great this year, and the model takes that into account. It, it, it is one of the major factors. But he's also actually, despite not performing well at shorter flat tracks this year, hasn't finished terribly. Uh, you know, he finished 11th at Phoenix. He finished 7th at Richmond earlier this year. Second at Martinsville. Uh, at Gateway, he finished 3rd, right? So New Hampshire, 2nd. Second. second at New Hampshire. He's 
9%, just under, like 8.5, 8.6%, whatever it is. I don't remember the exact number. I don't have it in front of me. He's closer to 9% to win for me, and he's closer to 4% to win for Jim. Now, that's not a knock on Jim's model. It's not a knock on my model. My preference always when you have two very sophisticated models and they come up to independent conclusions is to average them because wisdom of the crowds tends to be right. And that's the same thing with modeling. So averaging mine and Jim's, we get around 6.5%, let's say, for Joey Logano, which is right in line with the 14 to 1 that I see out there. I think that uh, DraftKings has 14 to 1, Superbook is 14 to 1. I'm going to be very curious what Joey Logano looks like this weekend because my model is pretty high on him. And, and I know those finishes, like I said, those finishes are more flattering than he actually ran. But at the same time, my model picks its own variables based off what's most predictive. And it's saying Joey Logano uh, is undervalued. Now, Jim's saying it's Joey Logano is overvalued in the market. So we'll, we'll just have to see. It's not, a, it's not a competition. Jim and I always talk about these things because we love – doing this um and and we often find that just averaging our two models ends up being the best and and logano's logano and blaney are, are guys that we've talked about extensively with the, with the short flat tracks this year because they were off at phoenix jo- joey logano mm-hmm. was junk at phoenix and you know he's obviously coming off a championship win which required the win at phoenix but here's the thing like you said gateway he had a great car finished third new hampshire he had a really good car. Truex was just that dominant. But guess mm-hmm. who had the second-best driver rating in that race? Joey Logano, who finished second. So, yeah, I don't, I don't see myself betting him. I, I, I saw I him 14-1, to 12-1, because it's such an unknown. But if he goes out there and he qualifies top five, I could see Logano contending for this race. I hope he qualifies 12th but shows kick-ass speed in practice. That's what I want. Yeah. You know? And then we'll get probably still 14 to 1, but at least I know he'll have that practice speed, that long run practice speed. So I'm going to have a keen eye on Joey Logano for practice and qualifying this weekend. I, like you said, I'm not betting him right now at 14 to 1. Because uh, if you average mine and Jim's models, it's like pretty much fair value. But I do think he's a guy I really want to keep an eye on this weekend. So Brad Kozlowski, Joey Logano, a couple Fords there uh, are some early interesting week you know, insights, values that I have. So that's where I'm standing right now as far as, like, bets. You know what I'm interested in? I, I've suddenly become a, a big fan of top ten bets. Uh, <laughs> and Imagine that. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm, seeing, I'm seeing Logano at minus 150. And I, I don't know, man. I, I'm really liking that. I, I like – I go through these spells where I like I like certain bets. Like I liked, I think, like stage bets last year. I went through a phase of of liking stage bets, and now I'm on my my top ten bets. Because um, you're not better yeah. than Blaney at Martinsville. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, hey, it wasn't it two weeks ago that Kevin Harvick was dead to you because he wasn't finishing top ten, and then he did. Yeah, then he did. Maybe that's what <laughs> I think. That's what I need to do. Is I need to uh, I need to threaten drivers that they're going to be dead to me during the race and then they'll come back because christopher bell was dead to me you know uh during when he spun out at pocono and when he rebounded for that for that because i also had uh i also bet bell over uh chastain head to head uh at pocono oh man dude not only did i have tyler reddick 16 to 1 to win i had him 6 to 1 top toyota and he finished second in both right because danny hamlin won right so frustrating that's tough 
That's that, tough. Good bets just didn't work out. Yeah. Um, but as far as, you know, Richmond itself goes, you mentioned Chris Busher, third place here in this race last season. You have any you have any interest in him at I think you can get him at sixty six to one. Uh he might have been a hundred to one somewhere. I remember tweeting uh Jim because he yeah. I, he hit him at like sixty six and I was like, Oh, you can get him for a hundred. Yeah, I don't necessarily have interest in him to win just because I think it's pretty low probability and um you know, I think Jim ended up he I messaged him too, I mean, obviously. I think he ended up being like I think he actually tweeted it publicly. He was like when he ran his model, he was like, oops. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think um, I don't – I like Chris Buescher here. I do. And the other issue is earlier this year at Richmond, Chris Buescher, it's not going to look like um, – it's not going to be representative data because he wasn't running great. Uh, don't get me wrong. He was running in the 20s. But he had an unscheduled pit stop about a third of the way through the race. And then all of a sudden, you know, because he had a loose wheel or something, and then all of a sudden, for the last two-thirds of the race, you know, he's running in the 30s, multiple laps down, just because of that. So his he didn't run that well at Richmond earlier this year, but the data's also unflattering for him because of what happened. So I do want to mentally bump him up higher uh, simply because of that. But at the same time, he's a guy I'm more looking at. Maybe not even top forward, but just like matchups, groups. You know, if he's grouped mm-hmm. with a bunch of drivers that are in the mid pack range, I probably would like him. Uh, or matchups, like I said, maybe a top 10 bet. So that's probably where I'm looking at with Chris Busher this week. But I do like him here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you mentioned how predictable Richmond is. Like these short flat tracks, we know who's good. We know who's going to be fast. We know who's good. And that's why. Yes, there's some value uh, early week betting on here, but for the most part, books have this figured out. They know who's going to be fastest as well. One guy, two guys actually, that you know everybody's just waiting for them to, to come around and, and have a good good Richmond race, Ryan Blaney and, and Tyler Reddick. And we've talked about Ryan Blaney at Richmond a lot of times. He's never finished in the top five, so I don't understand people that are suddenly betting him to win this race. The only time he's led a significant number of laps is when he won the pole last season. Yep. With how hard it is to pass with this car, if you win the pole and you have decent speed, you're probably going to lead quite a few laps. That does not mean Ryan Blaney's suddenly good at Richmond. He's not good here. Like Guess, he, he, guess how many laps he's led the last two races at Richmond? One. One. Exactly. <laughs> like A good race out of Ryan Blaney at Richmond is seventh. That's, that's a good race out of him. He's, yep. it, if, he, if he gets a top five, it's probably going to be on strategy. Uh, same thing with Tyler Reddick. Zero top tens here, ever. Now, while I'm sitting here saying this, will these guys eventually learn this track and uh, you know, put together a good run? Yeah, I think eventually. You know, We've seen Ryan Blaney get better. We saw Tyler Reddick show some speed earlier this year in the first race. I forget what happened to him to finish 16th, but he did finish 6th in the first stage. He qualified fifth. He had decent speed. But I'm not running to bet these guys when they have a 100% rate of being like shit compared to to where they normally are. Like, we talk about guys that are really good at certain tracks. They have good track history. They know the track really well. Like, this stretch of races right now for Kevin Harvick is awesome. You know, New Hampshire, 
uh, Pocono, Richmond, Michigan. Amazing tracks for Kevin Harvick. This is this is the best four race uh, streak of tracks that he could ask for for him. The same goes the opposite way. Tyler Reddick's not good at Richmond. Ryan Blaney is not good at Richmond. So you have to keep that stuff into account. And until they, honestly, even if they put together one good run, I'm not going to be convinced. They're going to have to put a couple good runs for me to finally believe that they figured this place out. And I'm not seeing it right now. So that's kind of my like mini rant within yep. within this, you know, Richmond preview is let's stop getting hyped up. Let's uh, hyped up about situations that happened without fully looking at situations that uh, or what required or allowed that situation to happen specifically talking about blaney and and being so fast here a year ago yeah no i agree with you 100 percent. it's not uh reasonable to assume they will suddenly be good here if you look at tyler reddick zero laps led in his career at richmond uh earlier this year now of course a lot of that was rcr but earlier this year qualified fifth but then just went backward finished on the lead lap but you know only ran a third of the race inside the top 15 so it was just not a very good race for him um driver rating of 75.7 that's not that's not good when you know max is 150 uh and no laps led like i said even in fastest lap tyler reddick is a guy that puts down fastest laps a lot he only has 28 Mm -hmm. career fastest laps at richmond now let's look at Ryan Blaney. I mean, we mentioned one lap led in the last two races. Well, aside from, like you said, the pole-winning year, he's led one lap in his career. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, he led 128 laps the year he won the pole, uh, which, you know, held the track position, whatever. Uh, but uh, aside from that, he has led one lap out of a possible, doing the math here, 5,213 laps. One. He's Amazing. led one. That's not good. <laughs> no. No. So, never finished in the top five. Like you said, best career finish of seventh. That was the year he won the pole. Only one other top ten. That was this race last year. That was a tenth place finish. So, uh, it's kind of like I say with Martinsville. To first win at Martinsville, you need to be good at Martinsville. Um... That especially applies to guys like Tyler Reddick, who weren't great at Martinsville. You know, it used to be Kyle Larson. Kyle Larson eventually became good at Martinsville and then finally won at Martinsville, I think it was. Uh, but, you know, it, it, it's one of those things where Blaney's not good at Richmond. Tyler Reddick is not good at Richmond. Uh, and I lied. There was another top 10 Blaney had, but it was, again, a 10th place finish. It was in the spring race of 2021. So back-to-back top 10s in the, in the spring race or the – I don't want to call it the playoff race, but the second Richmond race of the year, 2021-2022, he's had exactly 10th place finishes. So, um, yeah, just I don't I don't know. I can't get behind these guys at their current prices at all. A couple other long shots um, or, or guys that, I guess, going the other way, guys that are decently good at Richmond. One, Austin Dillon. For, for some reason, he's always very he's, – he's typically always very good here. Earlier this year, he finished 25th after starting 27th. Uh, not sure. I don't remember if that was any issues. But typically, you know, 11th or better in three of the last five here, 16th or better in seven of the last nine. Like, for some reason, Austin Dillon always runs really well at Richmond. 
And then a guy like Eric Amarola, who's always a, a long shot at these short, flat tracks. We know this is where Stuart Haas is going to actually have speed. Remember that for guys like Chase Briscoe with DFS this week. Chase Briscoe is now on the table again. We're not in the intermediate package. We he's he's going to be he's going to have speed no matter where he qualifies this week. Uh, and even Ryan Priest, as much as I hate him, he's probably going to have decent speed. But is someone like Eric Amarola? He's sitting out there right now at sixty-six to one. Is he someone that you could see spoiling the party and grabbing a win? Because while he hasn't shown race-winning speed this year. We've seen him steal a win at New Hampshire before. I think it was last year or the year before. It was yeah, it was twenty twenty one when he got the New Hampshire win. But so for me again, no on Eric Almarola. Mm-hmm. Remember when I said Ryan Blaney's led one lap in his career outside of the year he started on pole? Eric Almarola's led one lap ever at Richmond. Yes. So ever. no, and he, he his best finish is fifth in that. Oh, sorry, fourth over a uh, 22 race sample size. Now that was with Richard Petty Motorsports. He has a fifth with Stuart Haas Racing. Um, but he's just kind of a guy, I think he's just going to be between fifth and 15th, right, for Richmond. It just seems like that's where he falls at Richmond. Richmond isn't as good a track for him as New Hampshire has been. Uh, it's just a fact of the matter. New Hampshire is his best track. Richmond's good. Phoenix is good. Martinsville's okay. Uh, you know, at these shorter, flatter tracks. But New Hampshire is his bread and butter. Uh, he's easily run the best there of all the short, flat tracks. So I'm not getting behind him. My model doesn't have value on him at 66 to 1 or whatever it is. 51 uh, is what I see longest right now on the uh, the Action Network uh, Bet Center presented by BetMGM. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's led one lap ever at Richmond. So, no, I'm not going to. Not going to back Eric Almarola uh, to win Everichman at all. Mm. One guy who has plenty of experience leading here is Martin Truex Jr. He's led 100 or more laps in three, four, five, six, seven of the last 13 races here. Uh, 50 or more laps in one, two, three, ten of the last 13. With how that team's running right now, I don't see, and I'm pretty sure every sports book has him as the favorite. I don't see how Truex is not the the odds-on favorite heading into this week. With that being said, sitting there at five to one at most books, no interest in betting him either. You know, it's it's too short. Same as same as Kevin Harvick. But the problem is, I don't see I don't see Truex getting longer. You know, he qualified 12th here earlier this year. But I think even if he qualifies 12th and he looks good in practice, they're not gonna they're they're not gonna go much longer than five, because they know how good he is at this racetrack and how good yep. they're running right now. That team is is, is absolutely on fire uh, as of late. Yeah, and and Truex is a clear number one in my waddle. It's Truex one, Denny Hamlin two, and then I think it's I think it's Byron and Larson in some order. I think it's Larson Byron probably is three and four. Um, I don't have it immediately in front of me. Uh, no, Byron's actually much further down. Uh, so, yes, Truex 1, Hamlin 2, Larson 3, Logano 4th because of that close to 9%. Uh, and then Byron, Bell, Kyle Busch, and then Keselowski, Harvick, right neck and neck with each other at 5.8%. Both are 5.8, 5.9, whatever it is, percent. So not really separating Keselowski or Harvick in terms of win probability. And, you know, I, I th- it might be a little unflattering to Harvick that he's at 5.9%, but... 
those JGR cars, especially Truex Hamlin, Christopher Bell, obviously Byron and Larson. My mom loves Joey Logano, like I said, and I don't think you can argue with Kyle Busch. I, what was that stat I saw? Kyle Busch has completed all but one lap at Richmond in his career. Ever. That's bonkers. Ever. That's bonkers. That's insane. It's like over 10,000 laps. He's only not completed one. The dude is damn good here. So, honestly, Zero my model DNFs. makes a lot of sense. Yeah, my model makes a lot of sense. Uh, I, I trust it, aside from maybe the Logano thing, but... Uh, you know, I, I still I still trust it. I, I, that, there's a reason it's the model is because it picks its own variables and then builds its own prediction because that's how machine learning works. Um, it, it is, uh, you know, the data does the talking. I'm not doing it. I'm not choosing it. I'm not picking it. It's just what is most predictive according to the data. So I I trust the model. And it's, it's you know, it likes Kevin Harvick, but it's really high uh, on Logano and Truex is a very clear number one in my model. Very clear number one. I, uh, you know, obviously Christopher Bell really excels at these short flat tracks. I didn't realize, like, last five races here. So he ran his first race here with Levine Family Racing. He finished 15th. Since joining Joe Gibbs Racing, he has yet to finish worse than sixth at this racetrack. So something like that, you know. With how Joe Gibbs Racing is running, with how good Christopher Bell is at this racetrack, definitely one of those guys to keep an eye on if you can get a good number on top five, top ten odds. Again, I'm obsessed with top ten odds right now. Um, he has led, if you take away Blaney's pole race, if you combine Ryan Blaney and Eric Almirola's career laps led, that's two. Christopher Bell has led 50 times that number, almost 50 times, <laughs> 49 and a half times that much at 99 laps led in just his five races with Joe Gibbs racing at Richmond. If that Which says anything, just... uh, you know, Christopher Bell is eight to one at BetMGM right now. Ryan Blaney, you can get as long as 22 to one at DraftKings. I'd rather have the 49 and a half times, well, versus Blaney, 99 times more laps led in a smaller race sample size than Blaney has had. You know, so if we if we normalize it to number of laps, we're probably talking multiple hundred times more laps led than Blaney in terms of rate. Uh, I'd much rather have Bell at 8 than Blaney at 22. Don't get me wrong, I'm not betting either because my model's not showing value in either. But if I had to pick one, I'd pick Bell at 8 versus Blaney at 22. 100%. I, I cannot – nobody can, can say anything to get me on the Blaney train this week at all. Um, just or the Almirola train uh, for me. It, yeah. So looking at career wins here, Kyle Busch leads the way with six. Kevin Harvick and Denny Hamlin both have four. Truex has three. Keselowski and Larson have two, as does Logano. And then Alex Bowman has a win. Do you think there's a chance we see a first-time Richmond winner this weekend? No. Well, I mean, no. does Christopher Bell count as a first-time Richmond winner? Because he's never yeah, won at Richmond. He's never won here. Never yeah, won then, here. then yes, I do. I think there's a chance. There's also um, Byron. Chastain. Chase Elliott. Chase, Chase Elliott's Elliott never won at Richmond. Race. <laughs> oh, then, there's, then there's a very good chance. I mean, not because of Elliott, just in, in general. I thought you meant a first-time winner this weekend, just like for... No. Not for the season, but like a new first-time winner. But then once you said no, no. Richmond, I was like, oh, no, no, we're good. Yeah, there's a good chance, actually. Um, there's not a great chance, but there's a, there's a decent chance. 
Do you think it but, comes from any of those guys that I just mentioned? You know, the the Byrons, the Blaney's, Chastain, Bell, yep. Elliot. You know, is it? It would be one of those like five, a, guaranteed. Bubba Wallace. <laughs> no, not gonna be Bubba. Nope. Neither Bubba, like, neither Bubba nor Almarola are good enough here. They're good here, but they're not good enough here. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, same with Tyler Reddick. Not good enough here. Ryan Blaney, not good enough here. It's going to come from those five that you mentioned. Elliot, Chastain, Byron, Bell. I mean, it was just those four. Yeah, it's going to come from one of those four most likely. Elliot, Chastain, Byron, Bell. Suarez, maybe? No. 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 Suarez is terrible here. Chase Briscoe. Chase Briscoe is almost interesting. Or Austin Dillon or Ricky Stenhouse. Like, yeah, those are guys that are interesting for like a top ten finish. Yeah, Stenhouse. Like I said, he he had five hundred. It was five hundred to one. I remember how fast he was in this spring race, and I'm like, that is worth a dollar or two bet, just just for fun, you know. I have no. I don't think there's a chance, a, a realistic chance that Ricky Stenhouse Jr. wins this race, but. To have a long shot like that is just... I don't have a problem with that 500 to 1 at all. Don't have a problem with that at all at 500 to 1. Um, my model has him at... Dude, it's it's the week. It's the week, man. Um, 0.69% to win. <laughs> it's, it's this. It's You know, okay. So I, I did a show today. Uh, it's called the Favorites Podcast um, from Action Network. It's like our flagship one of our flagship NFL betting, typically NFL betting podcasts, but they dive in other stuff too. Well, today I was on it talking about the luck rankings that I did. And uh, I found a split of the, the luck rankings that I have, that I've made, where over the last five years, if a game meets at least one of these criteria, a 50% gap in luck, like a percentage gap, or if you just rank all the teams 1 to 32, there's a 24 or larger difference in the ranking. So at least a 50% luck gap in terms of percentage luck or 24 absolute difference in the ranking and the unlucky team is on the road over a 69-game sample size. Nice. <laughs> that team, the unlucky team, is 50 and 19 against the closing spread for a 72.5% win rate. 72.5% win rate at minus 110 odds, right? Like, you know, typically spreads in the NFL are minus 110 on both sides, uh, unless you're betting at really shitty books. But uh, 69 game sample size is not nothing. A 72.5% win rate. I just thought that was – today is the day of 69, apparently. It is. Uh, it, it's come up a bunch of times. Um, by the way, Alex Bowman, 69 stage points this year. <laughs> so – just, just looking at Wikipedia and saw that as well. So it's the it's the six point nine, the point six nine, the sixty nine day today. Apparently. By the way, Kyle Kirkwood, remember, he's the only driver this year in any series, all three top NASCAR series and IndyCar to complete the sixty nine challenge. Well, again, he completed the seven eleven challenge, so he's literally just the best. He's completed the sixty nine and the seven eleven challenge. Finish seventh and then eleventh. Uh, but I do believe. Let me let me check out the twenty twenty three 
NASCAR Craftsman Chuck Series. I don't think we've had a, a 69. By the way, shout-outs to Malazi, right? 24th. Um, 24th. And he looked – missing, missing that wreck. Drove was, through that was, wreck. Yeah. That was awesome to watch. Yeah. So big shout-outs to him. Um, obviously, we sponsored him earlier this year, and uh, it was – it was, it was super awesome to see him, you know, get his second best career finish, not lose a battery for once. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> he, his other two races this year, he lost a battery at some point in the race. Uh, I take it back. There is since the Kyle Kirkwood 69 challenge, one other driver has completed the 69 challenge. This is the Xfinity series. You have two guesses. Brandon Jones. No. Daniel Hammer. Nope. Mr. Cold Custard. Damn it. That was going to be my next one. That was going to be my next guess. Sixth at Sonoma, ninth at Nashville. So congratulations to Cold Custard on becoming the first NASCAR driver this year to complete the 69 challenge. (laughs) By the way, um, Switching gears back, uh, speaking of drivers driving a Ford, uh, I found Logano top 10 minus 135, and I need to put the phone down because I'm yeah. going to end up fucking hammering that. You need to do that. You definitely need uh, to do that. Is it at the uh, the single game parlay book? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The one that just promotes awful, everything awful. Yeah. Oh, my God. All the time. Yeah, they I saw that. Top, I saw those tweets. Odds, I was like, "No, they uh, good odds are good odds, but they're they're literally trying to mislead people into making bad bets because they know it's good for their bottom line." Yeah, and I just, I don't know. Yeah, I find that kind of sleazy. I wish I wish more I wish more people understood that you can't trust these sports books because it's. I feel like we're gonna get some kind of law or something that prevents them like uh the like you constantly see now oh this is the most popular bet from people today what does that have to do with anything you're just trying to herd the masses into putting money on like i don't know or this is the most popular bet in your state guess what it's on it's on the state team like like for me i always get red's money line is the best bet today in ohio like of course it is by the way Speaking of, you know, remember a couple weeks ago we had Newman as like the biggest liability at one point in the week for uh, BetMGM. Yeah. Well, if we look at top ten odds for Ryan Newman, sixteen to one at Caesars, that's fine. If we look at top five odds, I saw a really weird one earlier. Uh, I'm trying to figure out which one it is. I'm trying to scroll through here. Oh, ninety to one for a top five. At some books and twelve to one for a top five at DraftKings. Has he been hit again? <laughs> Has he been pummeled again? Two hundred to one for a top three versus twenty-five to one for a top three at DraftKings. What is going on? Why oh is God. Ryan Newman so short at DraftKings? Is it DraftKings being dumb or did he get bet down at DraftKings again? I think he opened at that at DraftKings, if I remember right, because yeah, he's shorter on everything than Austin Dillon and Stenhouse and like oh man 100 to 1 to win at DraftKings 
1,500 to 1 to win it at BetMGM. Like, why is DraftKings opening him that short? That's just I because he got bet down so hard two weeks ago for New Hampshire. It makes no sense. Please yeah, do not anything, bet on Ryan Newman, like, even at 1,500 to 1. I wouldn't bet on Ryan Newman to win at a million to 1. Like, no. He's not going to win this race. <laughs> give me give me those kind of odds on him to finish on the lead lap, and I probably still wouldn't bet him. Like, Yeah. No. Not at a predictable yeah, track like Richmond. <laughs> yeah, in, in, in an absolute shitbox of a car. But uh. And, you know, he's old as shit, too, and it, it's just not very good. Uh, let me pull up what my model has on Ryan Newman because I'm very curious. So it's... 0. 0.0000000 So that's 1 2 3 4 5. Yeah, 10 to the minus 6. So let me do 1 divided by that. 155,415 to 1 for Ryan Newman to win this race according to my model. I still wouldn't touch wow. it. Wow. Still wouldn't touch it. Yeah. Man. Speaking of what you would touch, though, that sounded a little weird. But <laughs> that sounds very weird. <laughs> <laughs> uh, picks to win. Hey, I got I got my third win of the season last week, picking Hamlin at Pocono. I know. I only have, what, one so far? You have two. You have mm. two, so it's your, it's, your tor- it's your turn to pick <laughs> the winner. Um who you got for for Richmond? You know I hate picking chalk on these. I I don't pick chalk on these. Um, I know. So I am going to go with. We're gonna do it, Martin Truex Jr. <laughs> We're gonna do it. Yeah, I know Truex is a very heavy favorite on my model. I'm gonna go with Martin Truex Jr. Oh, here we go. I was debating, honestly, I was debating between Joey Logano and just trusting my model on him or Martin Truex Jr. <clears throat> I'm going to go with Martin Truex Jr. I'm going to cop out. If Joey Logano wins, I'm going to be so pissed. I'm going to have to bet Joey Logano just because I'm going to be pissed if he wins. I'm going to go. Give me, a, give me a Kyle Larson win after the drama. Just absolute slay the field. Kind of, yeah, kind of. I could see that. I could definitely Larson. see that. <laughs> like he's gonna I, I come like in. It. He's gonna come into Richmond pissed off. He won here last time. I, I and you know, as far as the, this tire code, it's they're using the same tires that they used at North Wilkesboro, which he dominated at. Uh, yeah, give me Larson this week. He's won outright that I'm actually thinking about betting pre-practice. Uh, doubt I do, just because I I don't like betting outrights. Before practice, yeah. I mean, right now, like I said, I'm on a top ten thing and live betting. I love live betting. How about this? How about this? I will do ten elevenths of my pick, Martin Truex Jr., and one elevenths of my pick, Joey Logano. <laughs> so if I get a win with Truex, I only get ten elevenths of a win, and if Joey Logano okay. wins, I get one eleventh of a win. Okay, I'll make that note here. <laughs> make another, make another column in my. Because my, my Logano my has Joey Logano winning one out of eleven. 
Okay. It's noted. Your your official pick is Truex, but one eleventh is Logano. Yeah. So if Logano wins, you get one eleventh of a win. And if Truex <laughs> wins, I get ten eleventh. Yeah. All right. So I'll still be behind you, got- you in wins, even if Truex wins. <laughs> I have a little streak going. So uh, the last five picks to win I've made have all finished top five. So probably just jinxed it for Mr. Larson. He's gonna he's gonna blow an engine on lap two. But there you uh, go. Or or you know yeah. he's gonna try to get revenge on Denny Hamlin and wreck himself. <laughs> yeah, that'd be fun. <laughs> We've seen that but, before. Yeah, Richmond this weekend. Should be a very good race. I always like Richmond. Like I, I don't like it. We, we've talked about this before. I don't like it from a fantasy perspective because I seem to always have bad luck here. But I like watching it, and that's that's all that really matters at the end of the day. And hopefully my my bets hit as well. Hopefully hopefully you get some winning bets this weekend, Nick. And hopefully anybody that listened to this uh, learned a few things and, and can find some value there out there with Richmond this weekend. As always, follow us on Twitter. Nick is at Rotodoc. I am at Fan Racing Online. Follow us on the Action app. All of our bets are tracked that we make. And yeah, let's make some money, guys. Let's 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 go and continue the summer with a bang. You know, I feel like I feel like both you and I are hitting our grooves now. Uh, I know I am for sure. I'm, I'm sure you feel the same way. You know, yeah. even though we had that two weeks of for me really really bad results, I, I was. Other than the week I was traveling, I, I felt great with my process. Um, and the, the five weeks prior to that was a fucking heater. So, uh, you know, we're hitting our groove. I'm ready for Richmond. I feel confident about it. I haven't made any bets yet other than Keselowski over Ty Gibbs. But I feel very confident about that bet. Very confident. Yeah. One thing here before we fully sign off, we have to check FanDuel Sportsbook to see if they're uh, up, up yet. I looked earlier. I refreshed maybe about half an hour ago. There's nothing. Nothing. They're nothing. taking their yeah, sweet ass nothing. time. Damn. Yeah. Bastards. D- yeah. By the way, shout outs to BetMGM. Um, the featured matchups this week. Helmet throw. We didn't even talk about this. Helmet throw Austin Dillon versus Tyler Reddick in a matchup. And Corey LaJoy versus Ryan Priest in a matchup. Really? Those, Those are, are some damn good, good matchups. matchups. And they have Hamlin Larson matchup. Like these, these are some good matchups they got. They're playing to the the controversy. I love it. I love it. Um, but we didn't. Even, we literally didn't even talk about Austin Dillon's helmet throw um, because it was that bad. It was no Tony Stewart versus Matt Kenseth helmet throw, and it was no Robbie Gordon versus Michael Waltrip helmet throw. I think it was the third career helmet throw I've seen at a car, maybe. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was pathetic. Just like him, and and to be pissed off, like I don't know if he watched that replay. Yeah, I don't know if he watched that replay or not. And you know, Childress was standing up for him. That was that was one hundred percent on Austin Dillon. And I I'm I'm glad to see you know from all the commentary that I saw on Twitter, nobody is on Austin Dillon's side here. Like finally, I think finally Dale Junior wasn't on Austin Dillon's side, and he was like, well, I guess Dale Junior said something about it. You know, I came down on him, but I whatever. He's still making excuses for himself, even after Dale Jr.'s like, nah, you wrecked yourself. Yeah, and that's a great way to earn fans is to go against Dale Jr., you idiot. <laughs> yeah, but exactly. Finally, finally, I think, you know, more people, more fans are realizing that Austin Dillon is just off. Like, he sucks. He's so bad. I, I, 
I love these. I, I like, love these rivalry matchups, though, on BetMGM. I'm I'm trying to find them. I I've I have, I have a hard time uh, navigating their app sometimes. I'm just on web right now because it's easier half the time, like you said, because of the app being a pain in the ass. But uh, just on Every web. Time so I right go... now, sorry. So right now, Tyler Reddick is minus three hundred versus Austin Dillon. <laughs> that says actually Austin Dillon is I actually don't holy hate shit. That. Let's bet Austin Dillon two twenty. Oh my god. Okay. Okay. I'm betting Austin Dillon plus two twenty. I know there's a lot of juice there, but. Oh my god, okay. Yeah, I'm betting that. I, we didn't even think about it. Like, Austin Dillon's actually good here. Fuck. Alright. Well, there it is. Austin Dillon plus 220 for a unit for me at BetMGM. Ooh. Yeah, plus 220. Hamlin Larson. Probably right. Priest minus two hundred over LaJoy. I like. I don't. I I like betting LaJoy there too. I think. I probably because my look. I actually because my ha hatred of Priest is is so high. Yeah. Now I need to look. Cut I me mean, because you know Priest is good at this track type. Generally speaking, LaJoy finished twenty first here earlier this year. Started sixteenth. We know Priest ain't gonna qualify worth a shit. That was that was LaJoy's best ever finish at Richmond. Um alright, so I've got I've got LaJoy versus Priest up on my dashboard here. So yeah, Priest finished eighteenth earlier this year. Uh LaJoy finished twenty first. And driver rating was very heavily. Uh, weighted towards Ryan Priest. Ryan Priest actually ran inside the top 15 for 76.8% of laps earlier this year. So, probably going to avoid that one for me. Um, I haven't completely run model sims on that specific matchup, but if I look at just win probability, uh, I've got Priest about a, uh, a order of magnitude ahead of Corey LeJoy in terms of win probability. Yeah, looking at uh, Gateway as well, uh, LaJoy also finished 21st there. Uh, Priest finished 17th, so very similar story, uh, although the, the gap in driver rating wasn't as big at that race. But, um, but yeah, that's, to me, that's, a, that's an entertainment bet. I'm going to bet LaJoy, and I'm just going to hope Priest has something happen to him and he throws Not a value fit bet, an entertainment bet, bet. Making that very clear because uh, I made that entertainment bet on – um, Kyle Kirkwood, Colton Herta, one-two finish in any order uh, for, I think it was, whatever the fuck race it was. Um, what race did they just go to where, it, like, things got crazy? Now I have to look it up. Um, the hell track was that? Oh, Toronto. Toronto. Um, street race in Toronto. And they... Pulled a strategy move where Kyle came out of the pits first, Colton second, and had the race stayed green until the end, everybody else would have had a pit and they wouldn't have, and they would have finished one two. And I got him like seventy five to one, one two, and then seventy five to one two one. You know what I mean? So like, mm -hmm. because the Quinella where it's one two any order was thirty to one, so I was like, well, I'm not just take seventy five to one 
on one two and two one <laughs> yeah because that's better odds um so yeah i just thought that was funny but uh that was an entertainment bet and i bet it and i was like i bet this is 75 to one i moved it at caesars to 50 to one and i was like this is an entertainment bet it is not recommended i tweeted this out and then it's Still got bet down from 50 all the way to 20. I'm like, what are you people doing? I'm not recommending this. Like, I'm making an entertainment bet. I'm telling you this is a minus EV bet, although I don't think it's actually that minus EV because I thought there was a lot of reason for it to be correlated. A, they were the two fastest cars in practice all week, and B, they're teammates. So you'd think their performance would be correlated uh, just by the fact that they run similar setups, etc. So I didn't think it was a terribly minus EV bet, but I was like, this is not a recommended bet, and people kept betting down a 20 to 1. So if you're listening to Jordan here, Jordan is making an entertainment bet. <laughs> yes, yeah, so when, if and when Ryan Priest hits the wall or has mechanical issues on Sunday, I can cheer because I'm also probably going to win a bet. So that's the only reason I'm betting this, because of my hatred toward Ryan Priest. But Exactly. Yeah. Love that Austin build bet, though. I'm yeah, glad that's, I took that. that's solid. I like that. Um, but, yeah, that's going to wrap it up here for this Richmond preview. Good luck to everybody fantasy betting-wise. And, and we'll be back next week to talk about Michigan. And we'll also be talking about, if you guys listened to the show last year, we set a betting line for the number of beers that I would drink during my <laughs> town's picnic. That's coming up next weekend as well, oh, so we'll have baby. to – We'll have to set that line. Last year was 84. I hit the over. Regrettably, that was that was so dumb. <laughs> but I did hit the over. We'll have, to, we'll have to see where this line is this year because uh, that was rough doing that last year. But Well, we got to hit the over. There we go. On four and another a half. Another Tecate opened tonight. Well, actually, no, it's so. technically three and a half. I have one sitting here that I cracked pre-show. So. We hit the over uh, on three and a half. But, yeah, another Tecate cracked for uh my enjoyment after the show yeah all right everybody thanks for listening and we'll talk to you guys next week see ya